I'm Rachel Foley here with Ari Meglin, and we're your hosts for the Mary Writer Podcast. We're on episode 138, and this week's question is, how do you audit your writing? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy this episode, please give it a like, write a review, and share it with your friends. So the term audit definitely sounds scary. When I hear the word, I think of accounting and finances and all that yucky stuff. So who knew that you can and should audit your writing? Let's talk about what exactly auditing your writing means. It means to look at the overall picture of your writing, improve your content, and improve your workflow. In a nutshell, it's a, I'm going to butcher this word, qualitative analysis of your writing's value and overall quality of your writing and business if you're writing for the money. And when I say writing, I mean any content that you produce. It could be a book you're writing, a blog post, a web page, emails you send to your list, social media posts, literally anything. If it's writing, it counts. So why audit your writing? Well, if you analyze its performance and zero in on what's working and what's not, you can then decide what to do with said writing and then improve it. Do you need to update it, delete it, and try a different approach? Or maybe it's performing well and engagement is skyrocketing, in which case you're clearly doing something right. So when auditing your work, you'll want to look at SEO practices, accurate information, useful information, grammatical errors, ensure the piece is clear and concise, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, when I saw the uh, the title for this, it did give me shivers because I have worked at an auditor's and there's always this dread of whenever an auditor comes in and they're like, right, we're going to audit your business. <laughs> it's not a positive thing in my eyes, not a positive thing. But I have I have done audits before on my own work, not with my writing, though. I've done it in my business and I've done it whenever I wanted to overhaul my website. And I've kind of given it a full audit, exactly how Rachel said, talking about practices and SEO and making sure all the information is correct and catching any errors and also making the feel and the flow correct because obviously if you if you create something like a website or writing or anything like that and you create it and then 10 years later you go back and audit it within those 10 years you'll have been adding things and taking things out but there'll probably be pages that are sound different than the newer ones because obviously you wrote something 10 years earlier and then you maybe wrote something five years earlier and all this so yeah you even have to think about like the consistency of your voice in it and the style of your writing because writing does change as you get older and your style changes you get more comfortable with your voice I think as you get older I might be wrong I might be talking out my ass but I, I I personally feel that I get more comfortable with my voice but yeah, your style and, and things like that of your writing does change. But uh, but yeah, I'm actually listening to this episode more with a how do we do this? Because I'm not big on auditing my writing and I feel like I really need to. So yeah. I feel like I should say a quick disclaimer here. I have never audited my writing either. This is a fairly new thing that I recently discovered and I'm talking about it as if I do it all the time. I don't. I do agree with you, Ari, though, that your style and your voice does change over time, especially if you're a new writer. Uh, you don't quite know what your writing style is unless you practice, practice, practice and keep writing. And eventually you'll kind of find your style and just go with it. Uh, but I have I have audited my website like you, too. And it's I never really realized that you should do it with your writing. I've done it with my blog posts. 
because we've all heard that you should create evergreen content for your blogs and that you should repurpose old blog posts like you can rewrite them or just go back and update them and you know then you do internal linking and all that fun stuff and it's just like one big map of a mess an organized mess i should say <laughs> but it's the same thing with your writing as you continue to write especially if you're writing like novels for example you can't necessarily go back and fix something once it's already published technically if it's an ebook you actually can edit it and then kind of update it and because people can update books on their kindle through amazon uh, but i don't think people most readers don't know that they can do that and they don't think to do that if they do know it because how often do authors go back and edit their books after they're already published so in that case you kind of need to analyze how the first book did and then you make some changes for the next book so with all of that said if you're still with us let's talk about how to audit your writing first you're going to want to set some goals i mean you know me and ari we love our goal setting so what exactly do you want to track and improve with your writing what do you want people to get from your writing whether it's a blog post or an email or an ebook when setting these goals decide which type of writing you want to audit Tracking your progress and analytics on a blog post will be different from auditing your fiction book. When you decide what you need to keep track of and aim to improve, create a spreadsheet. Again, Ari and I love our organization stuff and spreadsheets and color coding, so you're going to be hearing a lot of that. Basically, when you create your spreadsheet, you're going to want to list what pieces of writing you want to audit and the areas you want to focus on. So for example, if you're auditing a blog post, be sure to write down the SEO main keyword, its URL, metadata, title, and metrics. And the metrics are, you know, to keep track of the views, internal and external links, and their clicks, comments, shares, etc. On the other hand, if you're auditing a book you published, the info will surprisingly look similar, include the keywords you use to get people to find your book on Amazon, your blurb, keep track of all the buy links, the number of sales and how often from the various places people can buy your book, reviews, marketing tactics, et cetera, et cetera. There's, it sounds like a lot and I guess it kind of is, but it's less intimidating than it sounds. Yeah, it is. And I think my two cents that I'm gonna throw in is don't go in going, I'm gonna audit everything. I think it takes longer and it's a bit more intense than you realize, especially say you were doing blog posts and you have a lot of them. It will take a lot longer or you're writing, you know, a 90,000 word book, same thing. So instead of saying, I'm going to audit all my writing, be specific, pick one area and then try not to drift off to doing other things, because let's be honest, that's what we all do. Um, but yeah, it's like try and stay focused and obviously remember what your main aim is, especially because uh, I don't know, last time I think I did like something on my website, I did kind of forget the purpose, the goal as it was, what it, and I just sort of drifted off and then I ended up doing something completely different by the end of it and then not finishing. So, but that could just be me, I have to say, you never know, it could just be me. It's not just you. When I first started my blog way back in 2012, I my purpose of starting my website was to create an author website because I was working on my mystery novels. And instead of actually 
treating it as an author website. I treated it as a blog run by a teenager. And a lot of my blog posts were me complaining about how I didn't have any time to write. And I had so much homework and I had a project to do. So sorry, didn't get any writing done today. And these blog posts were like, I don't, I don't know, like 250, 300 words of just me complaining. And after a little while over time, I realized I was like, I really need to do something with this. I can't believe people are reading it. People did read it. I don't know why. I mean, thank you guys. I eventually just kind of rehauled it and I've rehauled it a few different times. I've rebranded a couple of times because I've realized this isn't working for me at the time. It did work for me, but then I kind of grew with my writing. I grew with my goals. I set new goals and had new ambitions. And I kind of took everything, analyzed it, saw what was working, saw what wasn't working and revamped everything. And it's the same thing with your writing, especially like right now I'm editing my first mystery novel. And I feel like in a way I'm kind of doing an audit of that, even though it's only the first round of revision. <laughs> for this draft, you are kind of looking at different pieces of the book and you're not only just catching typos and grammatical errors, but you're also taking a closer look at your voice and the tone and the pacing and just everything that puts a book together. And you can decide, I can see I'm only like 130 something pages into the book, but I can already see how different some of my writing is compared to page one. So you can look at your notes and just decide what needs changing and what's working well. So this is kind of a continuous process. Once you set your goals and you have your spreadsheet ready and you know what areas you want to focus on, then it's time to analyze. This is the less fun part, but it actually can be quite satisfying. This is where you're gonna check for inaccuracies, inconsistencies, engagement, clicks, or whatever you're auditing for. You want to track these numbers for your content's first day, first week, first month, or however long you want to give your content before you tackle any improvements. For example, maybe you're tracking engagement on your latest blog post. So many factors are involved to get people to even find your blog post. Also, how long has your blog been up and running? Where are you sharing these blog posts on social media? How are you marketing it? Is the format of the post easy to read? Is the call to action enticing enough to get people to respond. These are all things to keep in mind. If a blog post is doing well, what did you do to get those results? Are you doing that for all of your blog posts? And again, this is all similar to book publishing. Maybe book one is performing much better than book two, but how far apart were they published? Which marketing tactics are working and which aren't? Did you change the style of the cover for book two? Maybe the style of book one is more eye-catching. And granted, if you're writing a standalone, if you're writing standalone books, like the covers probably are going to be slightly different. And, but if you're writing a series, you obviously want the book covers to be different, but I firmly believe that they should at least be of similar style so that readers can tell that they go together. And sometimes that's not all the, always the case. I've seen book series have vastly different covers and it can be co confusing. Yeah, I hate that. I also hate it if there's a series out and then halfway through the series, the author decides, you know what? I don't like these book covers. I'm going to redo them all. But then they haven't finished the original series in the in the original style. So then you've got half of the books in one style and half in the other, or you have to get by the whole 
first set again to give you the the look i just hate it i don't like it i understand authors like to rebrand and sometimes they'll do a full series in one cover and then maybe a 10 years later they'll rebrand it with a slightly different cover i know terry pratchett's books um had a very specific style of cover at the beginning very colorful and lots of characters and then there's like a set where all the covers are black and then they've got like a, just a single a single symbol that connects to the book that's more like almost like a a collector's item you can get the you know whichever series you want cover wise and things but overall i hate it if you change a cover style in the middle of a series don't do that wait till you get to the end and then go back just don't mess with it in the middle it looks awful on a bookshelf <laughs> But see, when they change the covers at the end, that's probably a way that they're auditing their writing. They're probably trying to like update certain pieces of it to make it more eye-catching. And, you know, maybe the series is all done. Maybe it's been done for a couple of years and their sales have started tapering off and they're looking for a new audience within their target audience, but they're looking for new people. So they kind of rebrand and up the cover so that when people see it, it's more eye-catching and people think it's something new, even though it's been out for a few years. So there you go. Perfect example right there. But I do agree. Don't do it in the middle of your series. That's that's less fun and enticing. That's actually interesting because it makes me realize why people do it. Because if you write a series and you wrote it like two decades ago and you're still writing it, what worked cover-wise, what was the trend and the style cover-wise 20 years ago won't be the same style now you know uh, trends change people gravitate to different things and you can imagine them getting to a point where it's going well this this cover looks a bit old because the style is from 20 years ago and it hasn't it hasn't been an let's say an evergreen style cover because some covers of books are evergreen they just they don't go out of fashion or style they they have a nice simple look and it will work no matter when they're bought whether it's 20 years ago 100 years ago whatever and then there's others where you can tell it's following a style or a trend and then when that trend ends it looks awkward if it's still being used does that make sense yeah, yeah no it does exactly um but what you said about like the marketing now, if you're listening to this going, I don't want to do auditing of my stuff. Well, first of all, you really should try. It does help, especially if you've been writing for a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's do what we say, not what we do. Um, but one of the things I do always recommend is if you're doing marketing, especially if you're launching a book or anything like that, you should always do an audit afterwards to find out what the heck worked and what didn't work. I have done that with my business several times where I have run, if I've done run sales or, ad, or ads or anything like that, or I've made a big change to how I'm doing something, I give it a few months and then I go back and I check my stats and I check my insights and I look at everything and I work out my sales and I think, right, why did these things work really well compared to these over here? Now, was it just timing did I just hit the right timing and people just found that easier or something like that like I happened to hit pay dirt with this one thing and I clicked the right thing I made the right changes and I need to then mirror them somewhere else but what you need to do is you need to do an audit because you need to know what works and what doesn't because the worst thing you can do is start messing and change something that actually was working <laughs> you don't want to mess with your SEO 
and change everything if some of that SEO was working really well. And I have seen that in so many situations, whether it's a website or a business, I have seen people tank themselves because they changed everything of their SEO, their titles, their tags, their categories, whatever. And some of those original ones worked really well and some didn't. And instead of identifying which ones didn't and which ones did, they just changed everything and it tanked. And then they couldn't figure out why. And it's like, yeah, you probably should have checked it rather than just going, I'm going to, you know, change all my SEO or change all my categories or anything. So yeah, definitely, if you if you don't want to do anything else, definitely do it for marketing. That is a big one. Because otherwise, the next time you do marketing, you could be throwing money away on something that wasn't working the first time, but you didn't check it. So you don't know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is that one way that you market, say you're writing a standalone, you, you publish a standalone book and you do, I don't know, Amazon ads for it, just hypothetically, and it works really, really well. So then you decide when you publish your second standalone book, you do Amazon ads and it doesn't work at all. And it's like, well, why? Because they're two different books. <laughs> so it's not, it's not always going to be cut and dry either, but also, if you're like writing a series, for example, if something works for book one or even book two, and then it starts to taper off, well, maybe you need to switch up your tactic because you look at book one and you say, oh, this is the type of images. These are the type of images that I made and they worked really well. They were eye catching. People clicked on them a lot. But for book two, for some reason, nobody's clicking on them. Maybe it's because they've seen it before. And even though the title is different, but it's all too similar and it just looks like you copied and pasted things. So there's so much different things that you have to think about and it's really annoying, but it's gotta be done. And I also do think that um, I kind of agree with Ari about the whole timing thing. It's when you're auditing your writing or auditing your marketing, it's never gonna Stop. Like you don't audit it once, maybe twice, and then stop it. You don't wait until it's working really well and then decide, okay, well, this is working and it's just going to keep turning its wheels and keep going. No, you still got to keep an eye on it. I think when you, when you first publish a book or publish a blog post, track the analytics for its first day, its first week, its first month however you wanna do it. But I think you should take a look at it every single month. At the beginning of one month, take a look at the previous months as a whole, see what's working, see what's not, make lists, write everything down, take notes. But if something's working really well and it's working well consistently for maybe three months or so, then I would leave it alone and then track every three months. So that way you don't have to keep as close of an eye on it so you can give your attention to other areas that need improvements. But you're still making sure that what's working well for that continues to work well throughout. So it's it's a continuous process. And as I said, it's kind of annoying, but it is what it is and it does work. So in a nutshell, when you finish your spreadsheet and decide what to do and you track everything for a little while, now you just have to do the most difficult part, which is to make all of these changes. So basically, does your content need to be updated more consistently? Or do you need to switch up your marketing tactics as we just explained? Do you need to do another round of edits before publishing your book? 
sometimes that's all it takes. Of course, everyone's audit will be different and it will certainly change over time as you improve your work. But as, but as I said, will auditing ever end? Nope, 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 nope. You should always look for ways to improve your content and improve yourself as a writer. You write it won't end, but we, one thing we don't want you to do, obviously, is to get caught in this cyclic thing of just like you audit and audit and audit. It's like, because obviously what you need to do is you need to audit and then you need to step away and track that. The one thing you don't want to do is audit every single week, every single month. You need to let the content breathe. You need to let it work so you can see what is happening from the changes you made. Certain places, especially like um, on certain selling platforms, you can change like SEO or anything like that. But it actually has like a 30 day run of it getting into the system of being ranked again. So if you change something on, on some platforms and then two weeks later you go, oh, it's not working, I'm going to change it back. You've missed the opportunity to be re-ranked for it to be found, you know, to be to be put back into the system for you know the algorithm to do its thing you have to give it time so yes rachel's right auditing doesn't end there's always changes external forces affect you so the way that amazon does its algorithm the way that ads work the way that people are, are working the way that people react to trends and things like that everything changes so you have to be ready to move but at the same time this isn't a constant cyclic thing where literally you change something and then the next week you change something else and you change something else you need to let every change breathe for a bit so if you make a change give it a few months to let it see how and then track that information to see how it works and then if that works well, then you can move on to another area. If it doesn't, then you can try again. But you have to give it time to do something. The worst thing you could do is say you did your marketing audit. So say you tried out Facebook ads and you gave it a week and nothing happened. It might be that seven days wasn't enough. Maybe if you'd have looked into it and done some research, maybe 14 is the perfect time frame given. In which case, maybe you need to do some more research and give it 14 days and then track it. But yes, yeah, so there's, it, there's, it's, it's finding that wonderful balance of making changes and then monitoring those changes and seeing if they work. So the, I think the one thing we don't want is, especially for you people out there who are probably similar to us, where you can get obsessed with, with changing things and changing things. You know, if you're a, if you're a constant editor, you know, if you're on like edit number 15 and you still haven't let it go to be beta read, you know, it's probably you were talking to step back take a breath and let any changes settle in before making more changes which is why we said at the beginning pick one thing so maybe it's your blog post maybe it's just maybe it's your blog post maybe it's your novel maybe it's your website maybe it's your marketing it might even be parts of the marketing just do bits at a time and then let it breathe and move on to a different thing so if you're doing a marketing audit let it do its thing and then maybe move on to your website or maybe you move on to your blog post and then give that a month and give the, you know something else a month and then go back to the marketing and see how it did. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it does. It does. I And that's actually a really good point. Um, I like how you say that you need to let it breathe 
I think that's a perfect way to describe it. And we all suck at being patient, but you got to be patient with it. I really hope that we didn't make it sound scary to audit your writing because it's actually, it's not as scary as it sounds at all. And it's actually, as I said earlier, it actually can be quite satisfying to keep track of these numbers and it can be motivating too. Like if you, if things aren't working well and you make slight changes and then your numbers start to go up on your, your blog for traffic or your sales increase for your book, like you can tell like I'm improving and I'm doing a good job and I'm, you know, I'm really doing well and it's, it can be motivating. So it certainly helps, especially if you're planning on writing books and using your website as a business and stuff. It's something that we all have to do. Yeah, no, that's it. It's, I think there is a sense and it's, it is an accurate sense that writing is after you've written and you've published it's kind of a passive thing you know the book's just out there it's just doing something the blog post is out there just doing something and that you don't have to deal with it again especially after the main marketing but if you want it to do well continually you do have to get in there every now and do a bit of tweaking I'm not saying obviously you publish your book and then in three months you change it if you've caught some errors fine but don't every three months go back and keep editing little bits and trying to make it better but you should always be aware of what's out there with your writing and your marketing and tweaking things every now and then is definitely a benefit. Yeah. That's what I have to say. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, again, it's, it sounds trickier than it, than it actually is, but once you start auditing your work and you've done it for a little while, it, it get it gets easier. So yeah, I think we've said everything that we can about auditing your writing. I think every writer should do it, whether it's a blog post or an email for your newsletter or your ebook and marketing, whatever it is, it can be everything as long as you don't go down that rabbit hole. But when you audit your work, you just want to set yourself some goals. Where do you want to improve? What is the purpose of your content? What do you want your audience to get out of it? And then you need to write down what you want to track, whether it's engagement, clicks, comments, just the writing in general, your style, the format, and then you want to analyze it, see what's working, see what's not, and then make some changes. And after it's, it's not an overnight fix, but after a while things will improve and you'll get, you'll learn a lot about yourself and your work, and you'll be able to just improve yourself as a whole with your writing. So before we turn it over to you guys, Ari and I did want to let you know that we are open to guest applications for 2023, yay! If you're a writer or work in the writing industry, you can head over to our FAQs page on Podbean. The link will be in the description below, or if you're listening on Podbean, then hello. Read through the FAQs, and if you think you'll be a good fit, then you can fill out the Google form that's linked on the page. We can't wait to hear from you. But in the meantime, you guys can let us know your thoughts on this episode. Have you ever done an audit of your writing, and how did it go? We'd love to chat about it, so tell us your answers in the comments below. And if you want more of the Merry Writer podcast, then be sure to follow us on Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you're listening. And for as little as $1 a month, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Mary Writer podcast for bonus content. It helps keep the show going, so we really appreciate the support. 
Finally, be sure to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode of the Mary Writer Podcast, where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Stuffed Bookshelves. Our TBR files are huge. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.